Uh, As we get ready to consider God's word in our sermon, let's begin with prayer. Uh, Holy Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, Open our eyes to see the reality of the devil's assaults in this world, not so that we can live our lives in fear of what's out there, but so that we can be well prepared, see the earnestness of the mission that you give us and the powerful weapon that you put into our hands. Uh, Bless us in your name. Amen. I'll read just a, a verse or two from our reading again. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Uh, So the portion of God's word that we have in front of us today is talked about as uh, the the Gerizim demoniac. And you might not have heard that phrase before or know it by that name, but I guarantee that you're probably familiar at least in some ways with this account. Like any time you watch a, a horror movie or read a comic book or anything like that and you meet a character called Legion, Or you hear that line, I am Legion, it makes it into so many horror movies and sci-fi shows. That all comes from this. Uh, It's a familiar account, but when you look at the details, so many of the people act in such an unexpected and unreasonable way. In fact, there's only, only one person in the whole account that acts in a logical, reasonable way, and it's probably not the person that you'd expect. So this man comes up to Jesus. He's he's possessed by thousands of demons. Uh, He sees Jesus, and the demons know exactly who it is and the power and the might that he has. They know that this is their sworn enemy, and instead of running away, they they go right up to him. They seek him out like a moth drawn to a flame. It's, It's unreasonable. Jesus sees this man coming up to him. He's walking out of a cemetery. He's been naked for months. Uh, Mark's gospel tells us that he cuts himself with stones regularly, so he's scarred all over. He's got actually broken chains hanging from his wrists and from his feet. What would you do if you saw someone like that coming out of the cemetery to you? We'd run. Jesus just starts talking to him. What's your name? The answer the man gives should make every last hair on our neck stand up. I am legion for we are many. A Roman legion was this set of the military that was usually made up of about 6,000 soldiers. And that's the army of evil that's living inside this one poor soul. If that doesn't terrify you, just think about that the next time you walk down the stairs into a dark basement or find yourself going out to the far end of a parking lot late at night to try to find your car. This man, this demon, set of demons, asks Jesus for permission for some reason to, to possess a herd of swine. They don't want to go back into the abyss, but they're demons. The abyss is their existence. No matter where they are on earth, they're still suffering all that torment on hell. For whatever reason, Jesus grants their request. He sends them out into that herd of 2,000 swine, and the first thing that they do is immediately, as soon as they're there, they go and they force the, the pigs to drown themselves into the lake. They kill the very host that they had just begged permission to go into. Unreasonable. People from the town hear about this. They go out and they find this man who had been um, just a nightmare in their area for months and months, except for now he's dressed and clean and sitting in his right mind having a conversation with Jesus. You, you would think that if, if you were raising children or had a single daughter in that town, 
you would just be amazed at this peace and healing and help that Jesus brought. Beg them to stay, but as soon as they see Jesus and what had happened, they beg Jesus to leave. You've brought us healing. You've gotten rid of evil. You can make us whole. <laughs> Please get out of here. It doesn't make any sense. And, and Jesus, he would have every reason to call down fire, to, to make an example of them, to, to preach a fiery sermon against them. But he just gets in a boat and leaves. The man who had been possessed by the demon sees Jesus about to go. And he begs him to let him go with him. Finally, right, someone who makes a little bit of sense in the whole account. And when Jesus gets this offer, this, this man who would be the perfect 13th disciple, right, if you want a compelling story of salvation and freedom, here's your man to go with you. Jesus tells him no. Tells him to stay right there. Unreasonable. A few important lessons right away from the scriptural account. One is um, when the devil works evil in this world, uh, he uses unreason, senselessness, to cause destruction. When you see so much of the pain and so much of the violence and the hatred out there, uh, it's right to say that this is senseless. It's something that the devil uses to fill the world with fear and pain and evil. But Jesus' answer isn't to turn around and, and make rational arguments for everything. Jesus actually uses foolishness and unreason to bring salvation. And how reasonable is the gospel? There is a moment of time when the first ray of the sun's light first hit the surface of the earth, but there's never been a moment when Jesus didn't exist. But he chose to step into time, become mortal, dress himself with human flesh, take all of the glories of heaven and pour it into the form of a humble man, uh, Jesus had perfect glory and peace in heaven, but he chose to be poor, despised, and rejected. He had no sins of his own, but he, he chose to be persecuted, tortured, and killed for people who had nothing to offer him. It's, it's foolishness. That's what he chooses to do for you and for me. Just, just as he saw a man that was possessed by the devil, he saw people who had been plagued by guilt, hunted by sins, haunted by our errors of the past, and he wanted nothing more than to set us free. That's, that's the foolishness that Jesus brings into the world. Maybe another truth from the reading. Uh, when Jesus speaks, the devil has no power. Revelation sometimes describes the devil as a dragon, a, a great, mighty, terrifying thing, but on a chain. We had a vicious dog in the neighborhood where I grew up. I delivered papers, so I got to know the dogs well. And they called him Trouble. He had been hit by a couple of cars in his life, had been abused by a last owner, was missing an eye. He was a, a mean, mean dog. But he was on a chain. As long as you weren't within the chain, you were safe. When, when Jesus speaks, he chains the devil. The only time the devil's a problem is when Jesus' word isn't there. Just, just ask the demoniac. Jesus speaks and thousands of demons come out of him just because Jesus says so. The power of Jesus' word is staggering. At the beginning of all things, God spoke and everything comes into existence. At the cross, Jesus said, it is finished and the sins of every last person in the world were paid for. At your baptism, Jesus says, you're mine. And you go from being a victim of the devil to a child of God. And, 
in the Lord's Supper, Jesus says, take and eat, take and drink. This is my body and blood shed for your forgiveness, and it's done. When Jesus speaks, um, all of God's power is there. And when we recognize who Jesus is and the power of his word, well, we know what to do. We want to be there with Jesus, just like the demoniac. Jesus, let me go with you. We want to be with the one who loves us best. Um, and he gives us pieces of that, bits of that. It, it's just such a privilege to gather together with a group of Christians that I don't know and know that still, um, still I do. I, I know you as brothers and sisters in faith and children of God. We, we get to gather together and sing God's praises together. I love it when, when we get to go home and say prayers around the dinner table, have a little bit of time in God's word before going to bed. It, it's these little moments that God gives us where we get to feel like that demoniac sitting at Jesus' feet in his right mind where everything just, just kind of makes sense again. I am God's and he is mine and I, I've got peace at Jesus' feet and everything makes sense and you just kind of want to stay there forever. But then Jesus goes ahead and, and ruins it. And he says, you can't stay here. I want you to go. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. He calls us to use our relationships to share the same peace that he gives to us. And maybe right away, that's where a, a reasonable objection comes up in our minds. Like, really me, Jesus? Like, the people that you send me to, they know me. They know the sins that I've done in the past. They know the things I struggle with in the present. They know that I'm far from perfect. I, I suppose whenever we find ourselves struggling with that thought, it's worth asking if people in your life have ever seen you in worse shape than a naked man who had been living in graves for, for months cutting himself with stones, beating up everyone who came near him. Um, Jesus used someone who had been chewed up by demons to speak the message that angels rightly sing. And he does that with us too. He looks at people who have, who have our fair share of sins in the past who know what it's like to struggle with alcohol and lose, or to be controlled by hatred or lust and not really want to be free, or who have fought so many battles against selfishness or self-righteousness without realizing that both of those things are equally hellish. And he says, I want you to go home and tell people what I've done for you. Because you know. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. Because you know what it's like to lie awake in the middle of the night wondering how things ever got this bad. Because you know what it means to think back on times that you've, that you've hurt people in a way that made perfect sense to you at the time. And for years later to still have it bother you as you wonder how you could ever do something so evil. You know what it's like to be just struggling with your own guilt or your own anger and to hear Jesus say, but I forgive you. You're mine. To have all of the peace that you ever need given to you as a gift 
And Jesus says when you know that, that makes you the, the perfect person to go out and share that news with others. But as you go, there's a temptation that we face. Right? A temptation to be, to be reasonable. You know, I, I love doing this. I, I love when we're able to gather together as a group of Christians and, and gather with people that we know in faith to, to sing God's praises together. Um, I love going into my children's room at night and saying prayers with them before bedtime. Um, but there's a temptation that always comes with that, as wonderful as that is. Uh, it's a temptation to think that what God calls us to do is to share his good news with some good people. Right? To love those who love us. To like those who are like us. I, I love gathering together for worship and sitting at Jesus' feet, um, not just sometimes because of the peace that we have here, uh, but sometimes because of the evil that we know is out there. When I was studying to be a pastor, I got to do a, a one-year pastoral internship at our church in Salt Lake City. Uh, wasn't the most welcoming and friendly place for a, a Bible-believing Christian church to be. It, during that church's history, they had worked years and years and years until they finally got a sp- to a spot where they could build their own church. Finally had this building that was going to be this witness to God's love and the truth of God's word in the middle of that unchristian area. And three days after they dedicated it, it was burned to the ground. Fire marshal said, no need for an investigation. They worked hard and they rebuilt again. This time they put a sprinkler system in. And, uh, and then they went to the local city council and they filled out their paperwork and applied to put up a sign with what their church's name was. They were denied. The city council said, no one needs, you don't need a sign. Everyone knows who you are with that cross of yours. Uh, right across the five lane road next to the church was a driving range. The tee boxes were all pointing in the opposite direction from the church. Um, in theory. But if you were to serve at that church, it would mean you would have all the free golf balls you could ever want because so many people would just turn around and launch their best drive over at the church building. And over the years, the congregation had gotten this unspoken understanding for why they were there. They were there to be a safe place for Lutherans who moved into that community. Anyone who came from another Lutheran church, they could come and find a home and peace and believers who knew the truth that they knew there. They, they loved all of those people. But I mean, what else are you going to do in a town that's supposed to? And then one year they were blessed with a pastor who sat down and talked to them and said, if the people around us don't know Jesus, and if they hate us and the message we have, but we believe that Jesus' word has the power to actually change people and give them hope and love. Aren't those exactly the people we should be talking to? If you go to that church now, it's a congregation of used-to-be's. Uh, it's filled with people who, who used to be Mormon, used to be atheist, um, used to be lost, used to be angry, used to be absolutely dead set against Christianity, used to be the last people that you would ever find in church. And it's the most wonderful and loving family gathered around God's word that you could ever imagine because, because someone spent the time to talk to them about the Jesus who gave them hope and peace, even when they were attacking them. 
you know, who in their right mind would ever see someone possessed by a demon and, and go out and speak to them? Uh, but that's exactly what God does for us. And that's exactly what God calls us to do for others. God doesn't call us to be naive, to pretend that the world isn't filled with pain, that the devil isn't real, that there's no danger out there. He just doesn't call us to be reasonable either. Let your love be unreasonable. I I don't know if you'll ever meet a, a naked, crazy person with broken chains hanging from their arms coming up to you to talk. Um, but so many of the people that you meet, they're chewed up by the devil, no less. You'll meet people who are taught to look for love in so many of the wrong ways, and no matter how much they chase it, it just leaves them feeling further and further away from God and less and less loved. You'll meet You'll meet a young guy who, who is so used to seeing every parent and teacher and, and athlete and politician and preacher get exposed as a hypocrite. And being so used to everyone who's promised them that they know the truth or they actually care about them being exposed as a fraud until they finally think that the only right answer is just to call it all a lie and burn it all down. You'll meet people who either believe that there's nothing out there or that the God who's out there is a God who preaches anger and violence or that the only path to peace is to do enough and try hard enough and they find no forgiveness and no peace. And sometimes when you see them, the most reasonable thing is going to feel like turning and, and running a thousand miles in the opposite direction except, except, Tell how much God has done for you. Don't be reasonable. Love the prostitute. Love the homosexual. Love the angry atheist. Love the the self-righteous Christian who uses their faith only to prop themselves up. Love the people who say they've got no space for your Jesus and love the people, especially, who have been hurt by others in the name of your Jesus. Love them enough to tell them what God has done for you. Tell them that. Because you know without a doubt that God has loved them enough to do the same thing for them. And you don't have to go far to do it. <laughs> the the Gerizim man, he thought he would have to jump on a boat and sail with Jesus. What did Jesus tell him? Return home and tell how much God has done for you. You're going to meet the people every day who need to hear this. If not at work or at school or at the grocery store, you'll meet them under your own roof sometimes. Sometimes they're the people that are hardest to love. Sometimes they're the people that you've tried again and again and again and they've made it clear that they don't want to hear anything about it and so it'll start to feel like there's no point at all in telling them. There's, there's a neat thing about this account that Luke doesn't tell us. We, we read this one from Luke's account. Mark tells us about the same day. But he tells us about something that happened not long after this that Luke doesn't share. Uh, the people from that area who chased Jesus out and begged him to leave after he healed the person, 
Well, a couple of months later, it seems, a short time later, Jesus comes back to that area, and they're waiting, and they have their sick, and they're hurting, and everyone else who had needs, and they ask Jesus this time to stay and help. You know why? Because that man went home. And he told them. And he told them what Jesus in love had done for him. That's why God works that way. Why he sends people like us who have found forgiveness for our sins and hope for life after this one and peace in the middle of fear. He sends those who have found his peace into a world with with real evil to just speak his message of forgiveness and love. Is that so unreasonable? Let's ask his blessing as we do just that. Heavenly Father, never let us lose sight of how, uh, how unreasonable and foolish your gospel message is. You don't ask us to be lovable enough for you to love us. You don't tell us to be good enough for you to call us righteous. You give us forgiveness and peace and grace, even when we don't know how to give it to ourselves. As we rejoice in that, help us to be just as foolish, just as unreasonable as the people in our lives. Help us to love those who love us, truly enough but especially for those that are filled with anger, especially for those who want nothing to do with, with you. Give us a faithful, persistent, gentle, humble love so that they might find in you the same peace that you give to us. We ask all this in your name. Amen.